Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at It's really good to be here. We've been up at the camp, and, and uh, we had a, a prayer camp. We just ended a prayer camp up there for many of our intercessors, and it was just incredible. Uh, if, you wanna, if you want to experience Jesus, just go to the camp in any form. I mean, just go up there and pray, and God comes down. Uh, let's pray. I have a word this morning. I... Um, you might as well just stop the clock right now. Okay. <laughs> let's pray and let's ask God to help us to understand what I'm about ready to say. Hopefully this will change your life. Father, we're just believing this morning that you have a word of change, a word of hope, a word of life. And Lord, we're believing that, that in the, spoke, the speaking of this, it will bring hope to our hearts and it will generate such life in us that we will uh, be changed forever. So Holy Spirit, come and fill this room. Direct our thoughts in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, I always think in big pictures. I think if you don't think in big pictures, you get caught in the mud. You get caught in the little things of life. The Bible talks about you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed is metamorpho. What is that? It's, being, it's going from, a, from a, you know, this little tiny little thing on the ground and all of a sudden you become a butterfly, from a worm to a butterfly. And that's what I think God wants to do. He wants to give us understanding so we are transformed, so we, be, we become metamorphosed. The metamorphosis takes place in our mind. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. So you have to have the right thinking. If you don't have the right thinking, you won't be able to process in the right way. And so we're here in church. You come to church to do several things. You come to meet with God. You come to get your heart tuned. That's what worship is. We, we worship because we need our heart tuned. You had a you had a week out in the world, and we come back to the house of God to get our heart tuned, to get it, to get it so it's beating in the beat of heaven. The next thing you do is you come so you can get your mind transformed and changed, so you can think right, so you can act right, so you can be what God wants you to be. You have a purpose in life. You have, there's a great purpose for you. And this morning, I want, to try to, I want to try to explain it to you. Most people get locked in this, you know, Christian people, they're like anybody else. We, we, we don't think like Jesus thinks. If we thought like Jesus thought, we would become overcomers, not victims. And you, you're not, you're not, you were not placed on earth to become a, a victim. You were placed here to become an overcomer. So let me try to explain this. We see in the New Testament, now you're gonna to have to follow me because I'm gonna tell stories, I'm gonna to try to explain this whole picture. We see in the New Testament, Jesus enters the scene after 4,000 years. The, Bible, the earth has been in existence in its, in its uh, state as it was, 4,000 years. Jesus comes on the scene and he re, I say this word on purpose, he reintroduces the kingdom of God. He reintroduces because 4,000 years earlier, there was something that happened. You see, the kingdom was introduced in the Garden of Eden. Now stay with me, you probably know some of this, but some of this you're not gonna know. He, 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 it was introduced by God himself in the Garden of Eden. But Jesus came to reintroduce it because it was lost in the Garden. The, the Adam and Eve didn't lose a religion, they lost a kingdom. He comes to reintroduce the gospel of the kingdom. What is that? The good news of the rule of God. It's the good news of the rule of God. Now, if you, if you start thinking about the kingdom of God enough, you will realize kingdom of God means governance. 
The Bible says, when, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. So what, that, what does that mean? When God comes on the scene and he introduces his kingdom, then all of a sudden there's a righteous kingdom, there's a rule that takes place because our God is, is a benevolent ruler. Those on earth aren't necessarily benevolent. But God is a benevolent work, ruler. And so he comes and Jesus reintroduces the good news, the gospel, the good news that God is in charge. Oh, that's good news. Excuse me, I'm excited about this. So, if, you know, if I yell a little bit, just that's okay. So we see that the good news of the rule of God or the kingdom of God, it's a governance term. And so we have to understand God's in charge. He's governing. And, and he, the, it's the rule of God over everything. He came to reintroduce the kingdom of God over everything. There is no such thing as sacred and secular. God rules over it all. all. You know, we have kind of put terms to it. We, we talk about the seven mountains that, that are in existence, government, education, family, religion, arts and entertainment, business, media, all that. But that's all, God rules over all of it. You know, we put terms to it. Jesus came to bring everything back under God's rule. That's good news. That's good news. And he invites us then to participate in the restoration program. He's restoring everything. And the first step that you have to take, and I hope all of you have done this, if not, we'll give you a chance to do it today. The first step is that you must enter the door. You have to enter the door of the kingdom. What's that mean? It's salvation, it's being born again, it's a redemptive plan of God, and, and this is great. But unfortunately, the church gets stuck at the door. We get stuck at the door. Most churches just meander around the door. They're, they're, they, they just, they look at the door. Oh, this is, isn't this a wonderful door? Now it, you have to, you have to go through the door, but you got to get through the door. Don't stand at the door. When you go to someone's house and you knock on the door, you don't just stand at the door and, and, and marvel at the wonderful things that are in the door that's going into the house. You don't do that for hours. No, what do you do? You enter the door and go into the house and see the great things that are in store for you inside the house. But unfortunately the church has, has become a, a door people. We talk about salvation, we preach salvation, and this is all good. But you don't get stuck there. There's more things inside. And so most, I remember when I was a kid, I got saved every Sunday. I, I was at the door every Sunday. You know, they gave a salvation message, so I came to the door, and I, I just marveled at the door and the redemptive plan of God, and it's all good. But you don't wanna stay there forever. You don't just want to admire the door. You want to get through that because you want to enter the kingdom of God with all of its treasure, everything that's inside that, in the halls, etc. We, 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 we therefore, and so many of us never, never get into the palace of the kingdom of God. We, we never go into the halls and the auditorium of the kingdom of God where treasures are waiting for us beyond our imagination. Gifts and blessings that, that came with being, that comes with being a citizen of the kingdom of God. Once you become a citizen, once you enter the door, you become a citizen, a son and daughter, a king and a priest. Now, isn't it interesting that the kingdom of God is the only nation that every person who is in the kingdom of God is called a king? Every citizen is a king. It's the only nation that that's true of. We're all kings, we're all priests. We have all this inheritance that God wants to give to us. There are gifts inside the kingdom. There's, there's a wonderful, victorious living. There's dreams realized, hope restored. Great faith is given, gems and treasures and gold and silver and all of this is given. But let me now talk about, let me, let me tell you how we got here. The Bible indicates that there are three phases, and I'm gonna talk about these phases so you'll understand them. There's what we call eternity past. Eternity past is what we, we uh, come to understand as those things that we, have, we understand through the Bible, through history. It's what, what was in existence before sin entered. Eternity past. Time didn't mean anything. The beauty that characterized the creation of God was sublime. That there was such physical beauty and, and things were perfect. 
And the, probably the greatest physical beauty or the greatest thing that was in existence at that time uh, during all of creation that is that creation operated in harmony. There was no discord. Not at all. If, if, you, if you're a musician, you will understand this. If you go to a minor key or you go to a discord and you're playing in uh, the keyboard or in, uh, guitar or something, you go to a discord, it, it just grates your soul. <laughs> Let me say this. I believe, I think I'm going to be right. I'll ask Jesus when we get to heaven. I believe there was no minor chords until sin entered. Everything's a major chord. Now, if you don't understand music, I'm sorry. It's just... It's, a major chord is, is what you, it's, it's fullness. It's, it's there, but a minor chord, eh, eh, you go to a minor chord and it just, it just, it isn't fulfilled. Now you, those of you who are musicians understand it isn't fulfilled until you go back to a major chord. And so that's what I believe was, was true. There was harmony. Everything was in harmony and only one authority existed in all creation. It was God's authority. Only one will the will of the creator. God manifested himself in such a great way. And in this eternal period, this eternity past, he, God manifested himself in his will and authority through a perfect being that he created called Lucifer. Donald Barnhouse says the chief of all created beings was set in the government of God as ruler over the creation of God. And before his fall, he may be said to have occupied the role of prime minister ruling possibly over the universe, but certainly over this world. He was in charge of exercising the delegated authority of God over all creation. God's creation functioned perfectly because everything was an extension of his will and his authority. Now this cherub or this prime minister, this angelic being was, was said to be the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. The word seal and perfection, now stay with me here, it speaks of the maximum of creation. His clothing was of, made of precious stone. The workmanship inside of him was of tambourines and flutes. In other words, he was created with music in his being. And he was prepared, it was prepared for him on the day he was created. He possessed in himself such musical capability and ability. He was perfect in all his ways, the Bible says. And I'm gonna read this scripture. This is out of Ezekiel 28. It says, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you by the abundance. Now watch this, you have to understand how he fell. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. What in the world is this trading thing? So we had a perfect being who ruled over God's creation and who exercised the function of a priest. He was the high priest of creation. All of God's creation operated perfectly under in, in this government situation until because of the multitude of his trading. He was filled with iniquity. And all of a sudden, the first time, this is the first time in creation, sin appears. Verse 16 in this scripture in Ezekiel, it says, the synonym for trading or the abundance of your trading is contract, trade, trading, transactions, traffic, and commerce. These words suggest exchange. In other words, trade is an exchange. When we speak of exchange, we speak of merchandise. What merchandise can be the object of commerce in, in, in or Lucifer's transactions? What possible exchange could have taken place? What, what merchandise was created here? Lucifer had the place of maximum authority. Why, why would he need any other exchange? But there came a moment in which being lift, uplifted, he desired the worship that only belongs to God for himself, and he usurped God's authority, and he took it. He took the transaction that only belongs to God. He took an unlawful exchange. We've gotta be careful about taking an unlawful exchange. 
We've got to be careful about what we give in, ex in exchange for, for our lives. And we've got to be careful about who we worship. So a moment came in which his heart was lifted up because of his beauty. It was made in all his beauty. Corrupted his wisdom for the sake of his splendor. He defiled his sanctuaries. This is what the Bible said. He defiled his sanctuaries by the multitude of his iniquities, by the iniquity of his trading. He even believed he could take God's place. And in this decisive moment, now this is what happened in history. I'm trying to get you to understand what happened in eternity past. Lucifer then conspires to take God's place. And for that reason, God casts him out of his holy mountain. In the manifestation of an additional will to God's will. Nobody had ever dared defy the will of the creator before. Now there are two wills in the universe. Eternity past, there's only one. All of a sudden there's two wills. And you, you have to decide which will you were gonna follow. One is a genuine and the other is rebellion and usurpation. In his sin, Lucifer conspired and he recruited a number of the God-created beings. The Bible tells us a third. A third. A third of all those created beings followed the second will. When God, and then when God's judgment came, now let, you gotta follow this, you have to understand this, he could have destroyed Satan. He could have destroyed him and those beings that rebelled with him, but he did not do it. Instead, he decided to allow God's creation, which witnessed the rebellion, to also see its consequences. So to defeat Lucifer, now stay with me here, because you, you, you have to understand that we, we've been taught so many little things in, the, in Christianity that we don't understand the big picture, and therefore we don't have an understanding of where we're going and what we're doing. But in, in this, we, we must understand Instead, he decided to allow God's creation to see its consequences. So to, to defeat Lucifer, now converted into Satan, God in his wisdom chose a creature called man. And we entered the second phase. It was eternity past, now we have the great parentheses. We have the pause of eternity. The pause of uh, eternity is disrupted and stopped, in a sense. Now God decides to end the eternity stage, and he interrupts it by opening a parenthesis that we'll, we will call the times of, of the Bible, the times that we live in. Genesis 1 takes place. Suddenly God says, Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image and our likeness. The devil must have said, what? Do what? And the others answered Satan and says, he said man. What is man? Nobody knows. Only God has the answer. Now if the devil was already full of jealousy, at this moment he's probably consumed with it. He said, is God gonna make someone according to him, his image, according to his likeness? How can this being be if I am the seal of perfection? But in a master act of mercy and infinite wisdom, God designed a perfect plan. You guys think it's all messed up. Oh, it's a perfect plan. A perfect plan which he created a creature a little lower than the angels, to occupy a position of dominion. This is all scripture, Psalm 8, 5. Genesis 1, 26 comes into being. And he says that he's gonna give us the power to rule over and to take dominion. As if this is not enough, Jesus then puts into existence the church. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall injure you. How did how did the Satan, or, or Satan at that time, how did he manifest himself in the garden? As a what? Serpent. serpent. What did Jesus say? I'm gonna give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. I don't know if you're catching anything yet. 
But the con let's talk about the contents or the, the, the characteristics of the, of the great parentheses, the times of the Bible. It begins in Genesis 1, and it lasts through the Old Testament about 4,000 years. The Bible says it's, uh, a day is 1,000 years, so it's four days. Four days take place until the birth of Jesus Christ. Then the second great division of the Bible, the New Testament, and the era in which we live, which we call the time of the church, this is two days. Then the Bible says there's gonna be a, a, another day the third period is the thousand year reign of Christ. Satan is released then from his prison for a short time. And then God's temporal plan reaches its, kind of its, its, its grand finale. The Bible says, then comes the end. Now, if you want to read about the end, I don't have time to read the whole scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 28. Interesting scripture. He says, and then the end will come. This scripture indicates the end, now watch this, the end of spiritual warfare and the final moment of the conflict. Do you know why you were placed here on the earth and God created you? He created you to defeat Satan. He created you in spiritual warfare. People that say, well, we just, we don't, you know, we're the church and we don't want to get involved in all this spiritual stuff. We just want to love Jesus and go to heaven. That's not God's plan. You want to be in disruption and, 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 and be frustrated in your life? Just believe that. So what happens is this. The Bible says in Revelation 29, that time shall no longer be. So we have eternity past. Now we have the parentheses in which we are involved. And God is using us to defeat Satan. And, it's the, the, and then he says that time shall no longer be. In other words, the parentheses is going to end. In other words, the concept of temporality will no longer exist. There will be no temporary. You see, everything we see around us is temporary. It's in the parentheses. But there's gonna be an eternity future. And that's what he's saying. Revelation 20 verse 10, and the devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Forever and ever. Forever and ever in Revelation 20 verse 10, it marks the return to eternity. Eternity past, parentheses, eternity future. So in eternity future, God turns the clock off. No more time. No more time. You see where we're at? The purposes of God have been fulfilled and everything comes back then in eternity future to be the perfect creation of God, where his children reign on the earth with him as kings and priests for God. The history of God's creation consists then of eternity past interrupted by a temporary parentheses where the human being has to confront evil. In fact, one of my favorite authors is Paul Bilheimer. He says this, in God's wisdom are passing through this world and the confrontation against the forces of evil is truly for our training to reign with him for eternity. You're getting trained. Once this parenthesis ends, things come back to their original state. An eternity where God rules with one single will, one only divine authority, and one beautiful kingdom in which the children of God will live forever and ever. Now let's talk just a little bit more about the parentheses before we go into and, and try to bring this all together. Because our lot has been to live in these times in which two wills coexist. The basic characteristic of this world we live in is dichotomy, dualism, and duality. In other words, for us, it is natural that there is good and evil. It's natural that there's black and white, north and south, cold and hot. In eternity future, there's no such thing. One will. You see, we live and we, we experience this duality in all areas of our lives. There's always a double possibility. There's always two roads. The narrow road, the broad road. We can go to the north, we can go to the south, we can go to the right, we can go to the left. There's always before us alternatives, a fork in the road. And we see this, this is not gonna be the way it is in eternity future. For this reason, there were two trees in the garden, if you remember. The existence of two options was necessary so that the exercise of free will would be possible. God wants to have a church and a people that will voluntarily choose to love, adore, and follow his will. 
So he gave us the choice. One of the two trees in the Garden of Eden, we know as the tree of life, which represents the will of God, is preserved. And it appears again in eternity future. Read Revelation. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil never appears again. Oh. Now, two wills exist. There are two trees in the garden. Dualism is present everywhere. And this is where God comes in and he reintroduces the kingdom and he's ask, actually asking us to participate in the conflict and to overcome the enemy. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let's go back. When, when the devil noticed that a new being existed, created in the image and likeness of God, destined to have the lordship over creation, he developed his own plan in which he wanted to destroy God's work. He's after you. He's after me. And Satan's attack consisted in tempting Adam and Eve with exactly the same iniquity or sin that constituted his own ruin. The very same sin. Lucifer himself had wanted to be like God. I shall be like God. And this is what he goes to Eve and he says, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of this, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It wasn't in the plan for them to know good and evil. This is the duality. So he lied to them, he, which he always does. Do you know, Satan will come to you. He knows scripture. He'll quote scripture to you. But in the scripture, he then twists it. And he lies to you about it. He still uses this same tool by convincing man there is no God, but rather than him, that, that man himself should be the center of the universe. You can be God. No, you can't. I don't want to be God. I don't know about you. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they chose to reject the will of God and accept the other will. They committed treason against God. Gave Satan the place of lordship. And the devil then became the prince of this world. So we see now there is a cosmos or a world, or this speaks of a system of societal order, a complex set of orders and structures that actually sustain life. Well, Satan basically took that over. He took it over. And when man chose to renounce the will of God to take the road of rebellion, everything changed. Man now had a knowledge that corrupted him, poisoned him. Do you know that the Bible says knowledge corrupts? If you do not have the wisdom and the, and the spirit of God within you, knowledge will only cause you to fall away from God. That's why we have a problem in higher education, because they're not honoring God first. If you honor God, and then you can put knowledge and understanding, then you're safe. So the world now serves the devil's purposes. 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. A person who is not renewed or a natural person finds his environment or natural habitat in the world. But a believer, you and I, we are foreigners in this land. We're, we're just passing through. The world is a, is a polluted system that has the power to enslave us through its way of thinking. That's why Galatians 4.9 says, but now that you have come to know God or rather be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? I'm telling you, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We gotta think right or we'll get enslaved. Every week when you go from this, when you go from this house, you go out in the world, the world is constantly pummeling you with elemental thinking trying to get you to think down here when God is trying to cause you to think up here. And so that's what he's attempting to do. And so uh, we, we're, in a, we're in kind of a dichotomy right now. We're kind of in two, between two worlds. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. In other words, the kingdom of God. Now watch this. Are you still, is this making sense? Watch this. 
So let's talk about the power in the world right now. Revelations 1.18 says, I am the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades or hell. So who has the keys? Jesus has the keys. What keys does the devil have? None. Okay, follow me. This is scripture. Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Who has all power? All authority. Jesus. What power does the devil have? None. Are you catching something? We're all scared of the devil. Colossians 2.15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. So what did Jesus do with the powers of the rulers and authorities? He totally disarmed them. He took all their power away. He, took, he totally de-weaponized them. He disarmed them. They do not have any kind of power because Jesus stripped them of all their power. This is scripture. Hebrews 2.14, since then the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So what power does the devil have? None. None. Now, watch this, let's analyze this. God has power, all power, right? He is a source that generates power. The devil doesn't have any power because it was taken from him. The devil does not have power because he does not have any keys. He was stripped and exhibited in public. He was destroyed, annulled. He was humiliated. He was rendered powerless. The body and spirit of man do not have power either. Now, the soul of man does. We are, we are body, soul, and spirit. The body and spirit of man does not have power, but the soul does. The soul of man has power, the power of deciding what to do with the lordship or authority that the Lord gave it. Therefore, the soul of man is the only alternative source of power in the universe. My, the, the soul of man has three parts, mind, will, and emotions. That's where you battle. These three characteristics constitute what we call the free will. God the Creator voluntarily decided to make a human being in his own image and likeness and gave him the capacity to make his own decisions. That's power. And he gave him the ability of thinking, feeling, speaking, and above all, to decide and act. And so he did this knowing that the two wills existed, one that's genuine and one is rebellious. The power of decision in man will incline him to one or the other kingdoms. And the consequences of his decisions, now I know you know all this, but you gotta catch it, will incline the balance to one kingdom or the other. The human being is the only additional source of lordship or authority in the universe because God gave it to him. So, if the devil has no power, why is it that we see him exercising power? What's the answer? The power that the devil uses is the one that comes from the soul of men. We give it to him. So let's, let's look at this as we close this out. God desire, desires a people for himself, a people of kings and priests. It was called Israel in the Old Testament. It's called the church in the New Testament. It will be called the bride of the lamb in eternity. Follow me? This means <laughs> that this entire plan, eternity past, parentheses, eternity future, this entire plan will be fulfilled when there is a wife. What's the quality of a wife? Faithfulness. On the contrary, the devil finishes his plan this is scripture, with a great harlot. What is the quality or characteristic of a prostitute? Unfaithfulness. This means that the destiny of the human being is to become the bride of Christ through obedience or be part of the harlot through disobedience. And here's where the soul of man is actually exercised. So as we close, is this making sense? Yeah.
What man does depends on what he decides. We all make a decision today. Which kingdom you're going to serve. What man does, number two, what man does determines his alignment with one of the kingdoms. Each one of the kingdoms has a different purpose. And what man decides or de will determine what he does and what, he, what, what purpose he contributes to. Thirdly, what man decides and does strengthens the kingdom to which he has given his loyalty. So if I, if I do evil, if I sin, I actually give heed and I give more power to the kingdom of darkness. If I obey, I give more power to the kingdom of God. When I, when I received Christ in my life, I gave power to the kingdom of God. And what, what, what happens then is this, watch this. And fourthly is, the repetitive and continued action of men determines the spiritual atmosphere over a family, a community, or a nation. Meaning this, the more people that serve God, love God, etc., gives power to the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I go into cities and I, I just, I go, I go crazy. I mean, sometimes I just feel things. I'm sorry to tell you this, Dr. Stan, but every time I go to Reno, I just feel the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I really don't. There, there's, and I, I can tell you all the cities and I won't do that, but I can tell you the cities that I go through, I go, oh, there's some, something's going on here. Why is that? Because sin and evil gives heed to the evil kingdom, but righteousness prevails and gives, gives glory to God and the kingdom of God expands in that. I heard a story of a missionary that uh, a nation was, was uh, uh, one nation was on one side of the street and another nation was on the other side of the street. It was divided by a road. And she would go on one side of the street and she felt great freedom. She'd cross the street just crossed the street into the other nation and she felt such evil and corruption. Yeah. Wow. Why is that? Yeah. Borders make a difference. Yeah. God sets boundaries in place. Yeah. And he begins to, if we honor God, he begins to, to bring blessing and encouragement and treasures. That's why he's put us here. He didn't put us here just to go to church. He puts you here for a purpose, to encounter the kingdom of darkness and give heed to the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, righteousness prevails and the, and the nation rejoices. Oh, this is so good, Pastor Kim. So we're in a spiritual warfare. You can ignore it if you want, but it won't help anything. We're in a spiritual warfare. And we've gotta give heed to God's kingdom. The Bible says, now this is interesting because I, what, what I want to close in is this thought. There are several things we need to do as purpose-filled kingdom of God people. In the, we're just not in a house. We've been given authority to destroy the works of darkness. And I'm telling you, this weekend when we, when we went up to the camp this week and our prayer people began to pray, we took authority over Idaho. You wouldn't believe I'm telling you, Idaho's, you're going to see some changes because we prayed and we're going to continue to pray. We prayed over the nation. We prayed over this church. We prayed over the churches. We prayed over God's will and his kingdom. Something's up. I'm telling you, the prophetic words in the, in the, in the nation right now, uh, get ready because the, the three months of summer are going, to, are going to march through and in September, something powerful is going to happen. I, I personally believe that as we continue to pray and seek his face, and we, we begin to understand that, that eternity past and in the parentheses and eternity future, it's all about having eternity in our heart. The Bible says we have eternity in our hearts. Have, have you ever understand this? All religions want a utopia. They're all looking for a utopia. And they, they, just, they, they create their own. But God is the only one who can bring us eternity fulfillment in our hearts. And so what, what I see is we need to get back to, to uh, recognizing eternity. We, we need to understand that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Putting our, putting our treasure and our emphasis on that which is, which is important. How are you living your life? You have an inborn instinct that longs for immort immortality. Death just doesn't seem right. Because it isn't. You weren't made to die. You were made to live forever and ever. So watch this. 
What God is asking us to do is to bring eternity into our hearts to understand this whole picture of why we're here. We're not here just to live and exist and die. We're here to fulfill the purposes of Jesus in the kingdom of God. And watch this. This is why the Bible says, when you pray, pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you go back to eternity past. You go into the future, in eternity future, and you grab a hold of what is in, what is the kingdom of God's will for, for even your life. You go into the future and grab a hold of it and bring it into the present. You go into the future and grab that healing and bring it into the present. You go into the future and grab that faith and bring it into the present. We do that. You go into the future and grab a hold of your purpose and bring it into the present. That's what he's saying when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we just come to church and we gather around the door. Isn't that a beautiful door? Oh, wow. And then we leave. Now let's get in the, let's get in the hallways. In, into the palace, into the auditorium. Let God begin to fill us with, with his grace, his gems, his treasures, everything he has for us. You see, we, we put everything in the future, in eternity future, of what God wants to do in the present, in the, this parentheses. God wants us to be victorious now. He doesn't want you to be a victim. He wants you to overcome the enemy. We are more than conquerors, according to scripture. We're more than conquerors. We just don't conquer, we're more than conquerors. We're overcomers. If you go to the book of Revelation, in, in every church that was written a letter, it says, you are an overcomer. You're an overcomer. And I just, I challenge you in your vocation, in, if you're in school, if you're in, in your family, you begin to live victoriously by pulling from the future into the present. And you say, this is what God made me here, made me for. It, it's this purpose. It's, it's, to, it's to allow God himself to radiate through me, to influence those. I tell you, when I go, wherever I go, I know, I know God is in me because I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I walk in there and I know God's with me, so he's gonna do something pretty special. And I'm gonna influence people. I did this in D.C. with walking into senators' offices and, and representatives' offices. I know God was with me. And without exception, everyone we prayed for was touched. Almost without exception, they'd cry. Why? Because the presence of God, it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's so sweet. There, was, there would be times that we'd go into offices and we could actually smell the glory of God. The Bible talks about an aroma. There's an aroma. Are you catching something today? You see, people, we gotta, we gotta get out of this least common denominator living life and come to the maximum. You have been, you were purposed by God to destroy the works of Satan. I'm telling you, George, in your, in your work in, in, on Boise State football team, you were an ambassador of the king. And when you run, I, have you ever watched Chariots of Fire? I, I, I give that assignment to you guys. Watch Chariots of Fire and hear what he says. He says, when I run, I feel God's glory. I feel his goodness. He was an athlete. He won the gold medal in the 1926 Olympics. Watch that movie. I, that's an I don't usually assign movies, but okay. I'm, I'm telling you people, everyone who has a vocation, wherever you're at, you have been given a purpose and an anointing to serve the purposes of God and destroy the works of the evil. And he does not have right to you. When he comes against you and he attacks you or he demonizes you or he oppresses you, he's trespassing. Yeah. Tell him that. You're trespassing. In the name of Jesus, I bind you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I appropriate the blood of Jesus. I am a child of the Most High God. In fact, I'm a king too. Wow. Man, I don't know. I can't contain myself. I just, we, we got to believe this. Okay, so I, I, we're going to close. And we're, we're just, we, we've got to grab a hold of eternity future. Bring it in the present. Bring the principles of eternity past. Bring it into the, into the present. Bring it into your life right now. If you're, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do something right now. I just believe this with all my heart that there's gonna be people who are gonna be delivered and healed in the service. God told me that. He told me that this morning because you're recognizing something. A light has gone on. Yeah. 
a light has illuminated. I believe right now, if, if just close your eyes, close everyone close your eyes right now. In Jesus' name, I decree and declare this atmosphere, I take authority over the atmosphere in this house. I take authority over the distractions, everything the enemy would assign. I cut it off right now. I bind the enemy's attempt to oppress us, to affect us, to influence us. And I cut it off. And by the powerful blood of Jesus and the spirit of the living God, I decree and declare right now, only God is present in this room to do what he wants to do. And in Jesus' name, I release healing in the house. I release uh, a, a, a release to those who are oppressed by the devil, that you just have had so much attacking you and assaulting you. I cut it off now. I cancel every assignment of the evil one. And I decree and declare God is here to deliver and to aid and to help and to heal. If you have been oppressed, if there's an assault against you and you just have not been able to get over it, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. There's just an oppression against you. Uh, and, and the enemy has just come against you and you just, you don't know how to, how to overcome it. I'm, I'm going to pray right now in Jesus name. Those of you who have faith for those standing, just stretch your hand to them right now. And I'm going to pray right now and the power of God is going to come. In Jesus name, we decree and declare today that the power of the enemy is cut off. His source is removed and we release now only the anointing of the Holy Spirit to give you peace and contentment. I decree that you are now receiving the peace of the Holy Spirit that passes all understanding. Let God arise and let all of his enemies that have been assigned against you, let them flee. They have come at you one way, but they will flee seven ways, says the Lord. And we release that in Jesus' name over every one of you. The enemy has lied against you, and I decree and declare now an anointing on your life. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. So I release anointing, anointing, anointing. It's gonna break the yoke on these, your servants and your children. It's gonna, it's gonna be released in such a way that you're gonna see immediate victories beginning today. And there's gonna be, a, you're gonna see a, a, a natural manifestations. I pray right now in Jesus' name that their faith would arise according to your faith, so be it. And so we release the faith of God in their lives, in Jesus' name. And we grab a hold of that purpose in the eternity future and we bring it into the present right now. And we say, I am free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. If you, those of you standing, if you agree, say, I agree. You say, say, I agree. I agree. I agree. You may be seated. I just, come on, people. You, you've got to start. It's not just my, my prayer. It's, it's your faith. According, this is the greatest scripture in the Bible. According to your faith, so be it. So whatever you have faith for, you're going to get. Woo! If you need healing, stand your feet. If you need healing. Uh, in any area, you need healing. Stand in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we are declaring that this room, this property, is now a healing zone. I decree it's a healing zone. And in Jesus' name, we pull healing from eternity future and we pull it into the present right now. And we place it on these, your servants. Extend your hands to them. Lay hands on those that are standing even. Father, we release now healing in the powerful name of Jesus. Let healing now come to every body. Let healing manifest in every person right now. Let it come in Jesus' name. We decree and declare a cutting off of affliction. It's Jesus said it this way, is it easier for me to say a man uh, be, be forgiven of his sins or be healed? Yeah. So healing is the same as forgiveness. You just receive it. In Jesus' name, we release healing in every person in this room. Everyone who is standing, I release healing by the power of God. Let your anointing come upon these, your children, and let them receive the healing of God. More, Lord. More, Lord. Come on. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More healing. Healing is the children's bread. Healing is our portion. Healing is our right. 
When there's affliction, the enemy has trespassed. I cancel the trespassing of the evil one right now. I cancel the trespassing of the evil one. And we decree and declare healing, healing in backs right now. Healing in backs, healing in necks, healing in legs, healing in organs, healing in the blood, healing in, in the mind, healing in every part of our being healing in specific organs of our body, hearts and, and even livers and kidneys and pancreas, Lord, in Jesus' name, release healing. Release healing. Right now, right now, in Jesus' name, we receive it. Put your hand to your heart and just receive it right now, Lord, and just pray this prayer. Lord, I receive my healing. I receive my healing in Jesus' name. Let it be manifest in my body beginning right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.